You're listening to The Nancy Gaines Show. The goal of this podcast is to help business owners be successful and gain the advantage. Nancy has helped some of today's top Fortune 500 companies across a wide spectrum of industries work through their toughest challenges. She can help you too. So if you can't find the solutions you need, there are no more books to read or workshops to attend. The Nancy Gaines Show can be the difference between your success and failure. And now your host, Nancy Gaines. Hi, this is Nancy Gaines, and welcome to The Nancy Gaines Show, where we provide actionable ideas for entrepreneurs to grow their business and be even more productive. The focus of today's podcast is all about inspiring, purpose-driven entrepreneurs. And I'm super excited to have a very special guest with me, Matt Browning. Let me tell you all about him. He's a podcast host, a master trainer of NLP, and the best-selling author of a new book, The Firebox Principle, The Seven Drives That Fuel Every Entrepreneur. He speaks all over the world from the U.S. to Australia. He filmed the movie with Brian Tracy and Bob Proctor, and he consults with Fortune 100 companies such as U.S. Bank, John McAfee, you probably recognize that from the antivirus, New York Life, YMCA, and so many others. He's an avid motorcycle rider, church pastor, rock climber, father of an eight-year-old, and so much more. Welcome, Matt. Thanks for sharing part of your day. What else do you want to add to that introduction? Oh, I mean, Nancy, I feel like that's perfect. I mean, I wrote it, but you read it. That was amazing. <laughs> and it's just, it's good to reconnect with you again. I've, you know, we've met over, over time over the last few years and you're just always such a delight to spend time with. So happy to be here. Yeah. Thanks for spending part of your day and I'm excited to reconnect too. It's been a while. The last time we talked and had you on the show, Matt, you were just launching your podcast. Tell us how that is going. And I know you've got tons of five-star reviews. Are you enjoying it? It is the best thing I have ever done in my entire business life. Way better than I ever imagined. And you were one of my first inspirations. We really, you know, we talked about that. Um, gosh, I, it's gone into, you know, we were just talking about countries and I think I've, I've hit 120 countries. Um, I've right now, if I look on iTunes, literally as we record this, I'm not sure when it's dropping, but right now I'm number seven in the iTunes charts under management and marketing. And in the summertime, I picked up a syndication with uh, AM and FM station in Chicago. So it's my first syndication. And it's like, it's just ramping up and taking off messages like, you know, that we have, it's resonating with people. And I'm finding that the coolest thing about podcasting is people love hearing deep dive conversations. So I've been having a ton of fun with it. And I think it's going to be a lot bigger part of my whole business overall compared to anything else. Number seven in the charts under uh, management marketing. So beating out, you know, Seth Godin, and I've had days when I'm beating, I'm beating John Lee Dumas, Amy Porterfield, people I respect and, and admire greatly. And to see that the numbers are cranking up there, it, to me, it means that people really resonate with messages that people like you and I have, the deep dive conversation you can have on a podcast. I, I, I like it better than Facebook Lives. I like it better than webinars, uh, almost better than live events, not quite. <laughs> I totally agree with all that. And congratulations. I'm almost at the 100 country mark. I've got nine more countries. So people, oh, come on this, on. Kazakhstan. Yeah, people listening, please find a friend in a country I'm not in yet and share this podcast because Matt is going to blow your mind. Thanks, Nancy. So what is your success to bypass all those very well-known names in the podcast world? 
You know, it, it's interesting. Um, what I find, if you just want to kind of break down like how it works real-wise, it's very much podcast charts and iTunes are very much like Amazon uh, bestseller campaigns. So anyone who's ever written a book kind of in the last five to 10 years, you might be familiar with doing Amazon bestsellers. And the reason why it's so much easier, but yet still very notable to do it is they do hourly charts. So every hour it's updated and it's about how many new purchases or new subscribers, new downloads you're getting. So what's neat is I could have you know, way less downloads than say John Lee Dumas. I just had him on my show a couple of weeks ago, way less than he does. But he has this consistency. So even though he has 1.2 million or 1.3 million a month, it'll stay stable. Where I'll have mine will be growing and it grows during the week and then it might drop off a little bit, right? Where it doesn't grow and then it starts growing again. So every time it begins moving, so for some reason this week it's moving, especially on new episode days, I'll find bam, right in there, all of a sudden I'm up in the charts. And I'm usually somewhere in the top 50 no matter what. But literally right now it was number seven, mind blowing. Did you tell John that? He's been on my show as well. And yeah. he goes to Denver once in a while. Are you like, uh, so John, guess what? Oh, I sent him a screenshot on, on, uh, on Instagram of me beating him right next to it going, check this out. How cool is that? He's like, good job. <laughs> That's it. Good job. Like, Not every day, but often enough to make it notable. I've, I've, I mean, there's days, days I've, I've beaten Tony Robbins, Brandon Burchard, Gary V, Tim Ferriss. And again, it's not every day, but often enough to make it notable. I, I think it's just crazy. Like what it tells me is there's power in there's, if you use a platform, right. And all these guys are, you know, they're using the platform, right. You're using the platform, right. There's a lot of people though, that they try to do a podcast. And I would say it's like having a baby, you know, you don't just, you're not done when you have the baby, you got to raise this child. And if you treat your podcast like a child, you can grow it and evolve it and, and care for the listeners over time. And it gives us a chance to really, like I said, have a real relationship with people over time that we don't really get from any other platform. So like I said, I'm loving it and I'm, I'm launching two more and I want to have you on all my shows. I'm launching awesome. Speaking of Getting Booked, which is a show for speakers. And then the NLP Experience, which is really fun. That's going to be a co-hosted show where me and my master NLP trainer, Neuro Linguistic Programming, we teach that in our school, will just be kind of shooting the breeze and talking and nerding out on NLP for everyday life. That's wonderful. One of my favorite things about podcasting is the amazing guests that I get to get one-on-one -on -one time with. People you would never, like you, of course, but people that you would never think you actually get 20 to 25 minutes to ask whatever questions are on my mind. So not only am I trying to get the value out to the listeners, but I want to learn something new. So great idea. Are you part, you said you are part of the podcast community now, you're getting more involved. Are you going to like podcast movement and other podcast events? I, I have been going to some, one of my favorites, and I think you might know Steve, Steve Olsher, who does New Media Summit. You met Steve? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So he's been a dear friend of mine for years, and we ride motorcycles together and stuff, when I was living in California at least. But when he launched this New Media Summit, phenomenal event, by far, I think one of the best podcasting-based seminars. I'd almost call it a conference, and I've been invited a couple of times as what he calls icons of influence, which you should probably should reconnect with you guys. Um, so that's been a lot of fun. And I missed PodFest in Orlando a couple of weeks ago, but I, I am more and more, I'm going to events and, and conferences and being really being in that community. It's great, like you said, with the guests, sharing guests. I got to meet one of, really one of my heroes. I've been rock climbing for 20 years. 
And uh, I just had, I just did an interview a couple of weeks ago with the first woman to climb Everest from both sides and the first South African to ever do Everest. And I just, I mean, I was nerd now. Like <laughs> I'm just sitting there like a total mark, just like, and tell me about this. And, and how did you feel at camp four? And like, I just wanted to know so bad. So again, to get a chance to meet and connect with her, she's really busy and it would be hard to even get kind of the time of day with someone who has that packed of a schedule. But when I could come and say, I have a platform, it's a top podcast. We'd like to showcase you. She made time and she booked it on my calendar. And I just, again, humbled and humbled by, by what we're able to do, you know, with these things. That's the cool thing about podcasters that I'm, that I'm finding is they are so approachable and they're so supportive of one another you don't have this anywhere else, even among the speaker industry, which is pretty cool, but podcasters are just so willing to give their time and to give their value to other people without a big gatekeeper, I guess is a good way to say that. Are you finding that as well? I think a lot of podcasters are, are more isolated than we realize. So with speakers, you know, you talk to a big speaker, hey, I'm on the road all the time. I'm always in front of people. People are asking for my attention. But podcasters, it might be the biggest name on iTunes or on the radio, but the reality is they're probably locked in their bedroom for most of the time. And many of them don't go to seminars and conferences and things like, you know, we, we tend to do. So when they get out, it's like, this is amazing. And when you get a chance to, you know, to talk, they're like, yes, another human being. I want to talk to you. <laughs> so I, I, I find that a lot of podcasters, they really love, they don't have a place to have community with other people who get it. You know, you're, you, you can podcast from Missoula, Montana, and no one around you for 100 miles even gets what you're doing. But, you know, you come around a community, a conference, or you interview another podcaster, and they're like, brother, sister, you get it. <laughs> so I, awesome. I, I find they love it. I didn't, well, you brought up motorcycles, and I didn't realize how much you actually liked motorcycles, so I went to your website and saw that movie just keep looping, which is really cool. <laughs> Your book seems to follow that same drive theme. Can you tell us about it? Who should read it? What's it about? What are the seven drives? All that. Yeah, you know, so the book is called The Firebox Principle. And I want to preface by like, I, I have a hard time trying to plug and do interviews and talk about things I created. But this one, I'm really, really excited about. It's my first new book in over 10 years. And I just tell you the truth is as great of messages as I've had I haven't really had something that just spoke to me so clearly that I said this has to be written and this it came from the idea of if you look at an old steam engine you'll love this like the old trains right with steam engines the idea is inside deep inside there's a firebox the firebox is where they put a designated fuel they burn the fuel heats the water water makes steam steam makes the train go every train has a firebox deep inside, but no one sees it. It's not obvious to people. And I find that motivational drives for visionaries, trailblazers, inventors, artists, entrepreneurs, you name it, someone, anyone who really takes the invisible makes it visible, right? Anyone who has a passion and a drive to create something, to do something, to move something, I would call an entrepreneur, whether, whether it's business, nonprofit, ministry, singing, whatever. But when you see these people, there's what makes them successful. Everyone, and I looked at past and present successful business owners, ministries, and different people, there's always some strong, passionate drive, a reason under the surface why they're doing what they do. And it's not always what you would think. That's what I found. It was really fascinating. People would share their story. And you think, oh, yeah, you started this church, you know, because you just want to, you know, 
have people get to know God. And that's true, certainly on a level. But there were some people who, if you really look at their story growing up, maybe it was a significance thing. And they thought, I want to have a platform. So they built this. And I don't mean that to be negative. I mean, that was the real driving force to feel good enough. And from that drive, they created so much good. And, and there's so many other reasons. So we do things for multiple reasons. The firebox principle, the idea is I lock down seven different patterns of what the unconscious or subconscious drives are that, that really make people create and do what they do. And what made me write the book was it wasn't what I expected. If you just said, Matt, what do you think drives people? I would give you all sorts of guesses. But when I looked at, at these entrepreneur origin stories, you know, Batman has a great origin story. Superman has a great origin story. Wonder Woman has a great origin story. And every great entrepreneur has an origin story. If you dive into each one of our origin stories, you'll uncover one of the major drives that is pushing you forward, sometimes against all logic, to create the enterprise or the organization that, that we've created. So the book really attempts to answer that for us. Whether you're an existing business owner or an existing you know, uh, leader, can you give us an example of a couple of the drives just to make it real? Yeah, absolutely. One, you know, one of my favorite drives is the significance drive. A lot of people don't like to relate to it, but it's true for many people. The significance drive is the need to be important or special or unique. So you find that with a lot of people like Rupert Murdoch from the News Group. You know, he grew up in his father's shadow in Adelaide, Australia. And when he came back at 22, when his father passed to take over the business, there was this okay kid. Do you, can you do it as good as your dad? So he had something to prove. Uh, Vince McMahon, I'm a big pro wrestling fan. <laughs> I always shout out to WWE. Some people think all that fake stuff. I'm like, no, no, this is the best live entertainment on the planet. It's a billion dollar company. And Vince McMahon took over the world in this little niche industry. And a big part of it is he's a third or fourth generation promoter. And his father, Vince Sr., really owned the territory in New York City in the Northeast. Vince, same as Rupert, he wanted to prove himself, and he expanded and took over nationally, then internationally. People with a significance drive will very often have a need to prove themselves or to feel important. And again, it's not a negative thing. It's, a, it's just a, a, a deep, innate human nature thing that if we've ever been made to feel insignificant or in the shadow of someone, very often we'll say, well, let me prove myself. And people can build phenomenal enterprises and organizations that do a lot of good or make a lot of money just because deep inside, they're a little kid that says, hey, I'm good enough. So that's the first one is the significance drive. And I could just kind of give you a couple real quick and you tell me if anyone, any else is interesting. There's the artisan yeah, drive. Yeah, absolutely. It's absolutely. Are there some that are more powerful than other ones? Or are they all equally one-seventh split with the, you know, with oh. humanity? Yeah, well, I would say they're equally as far as power goes, except if they're incongruent. So you, if, as long as your drive matches the story and where you are, it's going to be very powerful. Where it falls down, and this is where it's so valuable to learn your drive, if you have one drive and you're kind of, you know, like pretending it's not true, you're pretending, well, it's really contribution drive. But in secret, it's actually significance drive. You're going to have a tough time rallying your team and your tribe around your mission and vision because your story is not going to feel congruent. So my, my, uh, my calling to really anyone who looks at the book and hears about this is find out truly, honestly, authentically what drives you inside at the subconscious level. And you can use the book and the, uh, have a firebox quiz. If you do that, you will really connect 
your tribe, your audience, your team members, your volunteers, your employees, you'll connect them to your real mission and they'll feel like they want to wave that flag with pride too. Very cool. So give us a couple more ideas. And I liked how you tied it to somebody famous so we can say, yeah, I can see that in that person. We know what's fun is so every, the book's very short. It's quite easy, uh, easy read. Uh, it was number one, you know, of course, on Amazon and many categories, but one of them was in short read. So technically it's an under two hour read. Apparently it's a hundred and you know, 30 something pages, um, but really easy to read really fast and flowing. So there's the artisan drive, which is the need to make something beautiful. The world impact drive, which I would say is making a dent in the universe, as Steve Jobs said, there's the contribution drive. Now that one, it's all about the people. It's not about the mission or the impact in the global scale, even if that's important. It's really about individual lives and making a difference for somebody. There's the spiritual drive, which is because my creator said so. So sometimes, again, against all logic, whether it's about the people or not, whether it's about the money or not, sometimes someone just says, you know, I feel like God said I should do this, so I'm going to go do it. And, you know, my wife and I, we live much of our life, most of our life, exactly like that. Sometimes it makes logical sense. Sometimes. It doesn't, but it works out okay. <laughs> and there's the number six and seven are the thrive drive. Now, the thrive is about improving your station in life. Sometimes, you know, it's equal for someone on Wall Street who wants another Lamborghini, but it's also the same drive that fuels a refugee parent to come over on the boat with their three children because they're wanting to improve the station in life and go from where they are to a better place for yourself or for your family. Now, as you might imagine, each one of these two, Nancy, they can go healthy or unhealthy, right? Thrive, drive, unchecked becomes greed. But if it is checked, it's really about just making things better for the people around you. So none of these are positive or negative. It's all about how you use them. And the last one's the Avenger drive, which is the need to take a wrong and make it right or to <laughs> prove something to those people. <laughs> and you came up with these seven? I came, well, I, I wouldn't say I came up with them. What I did is I observed them and I've never seen this anywhere else. Uh, and this is part of why I was so excited about this book. And I still am, you know, um, I went on a, a long book tour all last year and I don't take a lot of time away from my family just for stuff, but we, I did a lot of media for the book and I just, I love this concept because it's not a personality profile. It's not strengths finders, Myers-Briggs, DISC or anything like that. It's something unique because like Nancy, you'll find yourself somewhere in each one of these drives for different enterprises. So you could actually literally, you could take the Firebox quiz in the context of you doing your podcast and you could say, wow, what's really driving me to do this? Maybe it's contribution. It's nothing but the people you impact. Maybe it's world impact. Maybe you, you want to change and raise the bar for how uh, people are coaching and learning things. Maybe you just want to do the best possible interviews and it's like, that's what I'm starting to do in my podcast. To me, it's almost artisan drive. I love the art of becoming a better host. And as I can see, you do the same thing. And that's almost becoming the most important part of what's driving me to do it. I really want to just make a great product almost for the sake of a product. <laughs> like this book hasn't made me a ton of money. You know, I, I sold a lot of books, I hit bestseller. I've did the tour. But like, I'm not doing this so I can make an extra $22.95 from the hardcover or you know, $14.95 paperback or $9.99 ebook. I'm not doing it for the money. I'm doing it because I just really wanted to have a phenomenally uh, written book. And I wanted to have something unique in the marketplace for that. I like that. And the reason I do my podcast, or I know my number one responsibility is to make my guests look fantastic. 
because they are fantastic. But that is my goal is how do I make the person on the other side of the phone just be the rock star that they are? So is that an art? Did you call it artesian? Artis I, don't, I don't know if it would be artisan. We'd have to talk a little more too. Take the quiz. It would be either artisan. It could be significance, but in a really healthy way, you know, where you, you have the need to like, because you're going to be important and you're going to be unique because of how much you lift up these people. So it could almost be like a, a significance for the other person drive too. Oh, I kind of get that. So I am, I just figured out my why after all these years, I can actually, maybe I should say I could just articulate my why. And my goal, my mission is to eliminate business overwhelm. That's what I want to do because people make business way too complicated and it doesn't need to be. And then they get frustrated and they work too hard. Where do you think, just off the top of your head, that could fall under? I want to help eliminate business overwhelm from business owners. So here's the question to really ask. And this is, this is fun to be able to do this together. I'm glad you're game for it. <laughs> I figured yeah, you would be. So like your, your reason for doing the business to eliminate business overwhelm, that's like solving a problem that's uh, giving you a fuel. Here's some questions to start asking though. When you think about eliminating business overwhelm, like some people, the only, the whole reason they're doing that is because you imagine, and, and here's, let me give you a second caveat. There's not only one drive that fuels people there. I would put it more like values in order. So you're probably going to find a primary drive that is really above the other ones, but it doesn't mean the other things aren't important. Quick example will be a Steve Jobs. I, in my world, I think Steve Jobs was artisan drive and world impact drive. And really hard to tell which one comes first. He wanted to make the dent in the universe and change the way we interact with technology and really change the way our lives run. But he also had that strong artisan drive where part of it was just making the best product. If I was to register a guess, my opinion without meeting him in person would be, I think he started off artisan primary because it, nothing was more important than making the beautiful circuit board, making the right technology. But then he moved as, as the impact grew. He actually moved into world impact drive and it became about what's the next phase for humanity. Um, so that's kind of an example of are both important? Sure. Do you think he has significance drive? Do you think he wanted to be important? Heck yeah, of course he did. Spiritual drive? Maybe. Did he care about the people? Yeah. If contribution drive isn't number one or two, it doesn't mean you don't care about people. It just means there's something that's even the higher calling or the higher reason for it. Elon totally Musk is a sense. good example of that. Yeah. Yeah, it totally makes sense. I like that. So for yours, you know, it's like when you, when you envision doing that, is it about, you know, you could start by thinking, gosh, every time I meet with a business owner, I look in their eyes and, and I see them suffering and I see the stress and I just need to change that. And, and it's nothing is more important than just the individual person's life. Now, when I say that, everybody listening goes, oh, yeah, that's what I want it to be. That's what it is for me. But if you keep going, you know, do you want to, what's more important? changing the way business is done so people can, you know, the world changes so we don't have those stressed out schedules and your children and your children's children don't have to have a 12-hour uh, factory worker style schedule. And if that's you, it might be more world impact drive. That makes sense? Even though you care about the people, maybe you want to change the way business is done more than you want to do that. Yeah, I have to, good point. I have to kind of ponder that a bit, but I can see how it can come from either angle. So thank you for that. I appreciate that. Absolutely, of course. Wow, you took me off my questions here. So let me ask you and one more question like. and, then you, <laughs> and then you get the signature question. Sure. Um, I, I know you love NLP. It's like in your DNA. How did you even 
find that that was so important and can make a difference in everything. You know, so neuro-linguistic programming, I'll give you a quick definition. Um, my favorite definition is it's the lost user manual for the brain. It helps us understand not, not so much why we do what we do, but how we do what we do. And it's a great tool to use to intervene and change when our thinking, our emotions, our habits, uh, our actions aren't in alignment with what we want them to be. Phenomenal philosophy and phenomenal tool for that. When I was in real estate, I thought, this is the pinnacle. I'm making money. I'm serving people. This is great. And then I made the biggest mistake of my life. I, I went to a seminar with Tony Robbins and I saw Tony on stage transforming lives and people changing habits and depression and suicide interventions. And I saw people with big dreams stepping up and, and taking new actions and creating new habits and breaking old ones. And I just, in, in that moment, I thought, I'm done. This is what I have to do. I'm doing this the rest of my life. And what I did is, so I went through everything Tony had. I went through his Platinum Partnership Program, where I traveled around the world, went to every single event, and it was awesome. But then I learned that behind what Tony did was he was an NLP trainer, so neuro-linguistic programming. I thought, man, I, I should learn that. So then I went after, I did all my certifications and trainers trainings and speaker trainings and NLP. And from that moment forward, I'll tell you, like, I, I'm never going to not do it. I love podcasting. I love, you know, the book. I'm doing entrepreneur work. I'm doing speaker training. But the little piece of my heart is always going to be NLP, personal development. It's about taking ownership for your life and then getting a real tangible tool set for how to change habits and how to make more effective decisions in life. That's cool. So you think everyone should take it, huh? I believe if every person in the entire world learned NLP to at least a beginner level, I believe uh, many conflicts would be solved and it's not going to make it into a utopia, but it's going to help people in the world. And I'm sure anyone would agree that right now we're at another peak level society wise where people aren't understanding each other and we're making people wrong. And if you open up any news app, it's which side are you on? And the moment you begin saying, which side are you on? You're already in a losing battle. That's my opinion. So if we understood the, the principles and the psychology, the philosophy of NLP, it's really about finding what works, finding common grounds, uh, and solving conflicts and taking new actions and taking personal responsibility for everything you can in life. Because the more personal responsibility I can take, the more ability I have to change what I don't like. Um, so it's very much about finding responsible in the middle of even victimhood. And you know, not to go on a tangent with that, but I really believe it would just change the world. Wow, that's a great... Viewpoint. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> that is really amazing because I remember after September 11th, people got really nice to each other for a yes. while. Like people thought about the other person. They were grateful to be alive. And now my husband was just saying the other day, people are getting very selfish again. You know, they don't even let you in when you're trying to get over a lane sometimes. It's like, seriously, people just, just let me in. It's It's minor, but you're right. What side are you on is really... It's a big problem. Well, we're finding those, those larger society things, like, you know, the economy's been on, a, as we're recording this, a nine-year, basically, uh, uptrend. I mean, you could call it, yeah, nine years, almost 10 years. And it's usually a seven-year cycle. So, you know, are things going to drop down financially? Maybe. Um, could it happen soon? Maybe. But you look at, like, I look at pop culture. I look at, if you pop on Netflix and Hulu, just in general, I get there's entertainment for everyone, but there's more dark comedies. There's more um, 
kind of bad stories that relate to people that aren't so happy. And what you find is when you look at pop culture, media, songs, TV shows, they're always going to follow the thumbprint of values and culture. So when we're getting those now, it's like, yeah, there are, and, and traffic is the same thing. It's one of the barometers and traffic is getting worse and people aren't as nice. I think that's all a reflection of just what you said. It's becoming more of a selfish culture. And I, I just love the idea of saying, you know, now what, what can, if we can just remember, you know, what can I do for someone else and taking personal responsibility, whether it's making your bed or it's a bad thing that happened to you. And I get, it's a very polarizing topic to even say something bad happened to me, but how do I take responsibility? You don't take responsibility for the bad thing, but you take responsibility for what you choose to do next. And if we can be in a more personal, responsible place as a whole, and it starts individually though, we're all around, it's going to get better again. And, and it certainly is. We're in one of the best times in the world. I believe it. And, but it takes people individually deciding to continue that trend. So I know we're at the forefront of it. Let's keep doing it. And I hope anyone listening, you know, find a way to take some personal responsibility and make something better today. Love that. Love that. Are you ready for our signature question? I'm so ready. All right, Matt, if you had one more hour in your day, 25 hours every day, because I love giving people back their time. How would you spend that hour? What a great question. I'll give you my honest answer and then I'll give you my wish answer. Okay, my honest answer, enough. my honest, honest answer is I would probably realistically, like most people, watch another hour of Hulu. <laughs> like I, like sometimes I, I unwind at night and I would probably go to bed at 1130 instead of 1230, you know, <laughs> and I would probably just relax a little more. Um, my wish answer is I'd use it to be productive. So I would probably record, uh, record another podcast show. I'd probably launch a fourth show. <laughs> How often do you record right now? Like once a week is my is my thing. Yes, yeah, so I'll do four shows. Yeah, so I'll do I'll do once a week. But what I've actually done is I, I batch like you do. So every Wednesday, like today, we're doing a Wednesday, and it's, it works out well for both of us. But this is my back to back show recording day. So I'll actually I don't and I do six or seven spots. I do six spots realistically in a Wednesday. So that's twenty four in a month, more than I need for one show. So I use that also for launching new shows. I do interviews and I try to squeeze in whenever I go on a show. I always look and see if they have a Wednesday open. So I try to slot one of my open times with their open times and that works really well too. Um, so that's what I do. And I just, I kind of use my Wednesdays for media and then I can switch off and it's really nice. And then I just hang out with my family and do other stuff. And, but Wednesday's the day. That's cool. Yeah, I like I like it my Wednesdays as well. For people who would like to work more closely with you, I know you do tons of stuff, seminars and things like that. How can they connect with you? You know, one of the best ways since we talked about the Firebox so much would be if you want to check out fireboxbook.com. I have up there uh there's the links. We still I think we still have launch pricing for the ebook if I'm not mistaken, so depending on when this lands, it might be very, very cheap. Either way, it's still a good deal, but there'll be a link to Amazon. And then there's also a link to the hardcover from the publisher. Um, and I want to mention too, if anyone picks up the book, um, the, I, I donate almost all the author proceeds. There's a small amount that covers some of the travel costs and whatnot, but most of my, my author proceeds get donated to a charity called the burn Institute in San Diego. And we help to send kids to burn camp that have been burn survivors from, you know, age five or so to 18. 
and I went to burn camp when I was nine. I burned my hand as a baby and it, it changed my life being around other kids who had experienced something like that. So I, I love it. It's huge on my heart. Um, so anyone who picks up a book, there's proceeds that go directly to the burn Institute and you're going to help send a kid fully sponsored to burn camp. And I'm really proud to say since we launched the book, uh, by the end of 2018, we raised $10,000 and sent 10 kids fully sponsored to burn camp in San Diego. So we really like, it's a way to change lives. So if you want to be a part of that, that'd be awesome. Go to fireboxbook.com. And then I also have free stuff. Like there's a free quiz. You can take the firebox quiz when you get the book. You can also get a free training where I teach in depth all the, the drives. And then just follow me at social media. See my kids, see my wife. Uh, I put cool leadership memes. You can see you know, what's going on and it helps you to encourage your life at Matt Browning on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube. It's all Matt Browning, B-R-A-U-N-I-N-G. And looking forward to connecting with you. Send me a message. Okay. I'll actually respond. That's awesome. And thank you for supporting the Burn Institute. That makes a big difference in somebody's life. So very, very cool. Matt, thanks so much for taking time to be on the show. Lots of really cool stuff. And listeners, I have a new program for business owners looking to systemize their companies in 30 days or less. So if you're feeling overwhelmed and overworked, this program is for you. We work side by side to actually get your systems created so you leave with the work done. You can find more details on my website, nancygaines.com, or send me an email. We can have a conversation, nancy at nancygaines.com. And if you loved our show, please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes, and go listen to Matt's podcast as well. And until next time, go out and gain the advantage. You've been listening to The Nancy Gaines Show, where you can gain the advantage. To schedule a VIP strategy day or speed consulting session with Nancy, connect with her on her website, nancygaines.com. That's nancy, G-A-I-N-E-S, dot com. On Twitter, Nancy L. Gaines. And on LinkedIn, Nancy Gaines. Be sure to check back on Nancy's website for new episodes. Until next time, you've been listening to The Nancy Gaines Show. Go out and gain the advantage.